0: A few years ago, a Minneapolis dad stormed into the retail store, Target. His daughter had been receiving coupons for things like cribs and diapers. Was Target encouraging his daughter to go out and get pregnant? Target apologized for the coupons, but a few days later, they heard back from the father that a few things had been going on in his family that he wasn't aware of. His daughter was due in August. Target's internal algorithms had been tracking his daughter's purchases, and recently, she'd started changing her buying patterns. You see, she started to buy certain vitamin supplements and scent-free lotions, which Target's system flagged as behaviors that indicate she could possibly be pregnant. So, they sent her the coupons, and they were right. Without being told, Target knew that a girl was pregnant before her own father. We are tracked and followed now more than ever. So, a lot of the information that we think is private is really out there for a whole host of audiences. We live in a world where it's practically impossible not to have a digital record. So, as incidents like this one increase, there's been a push for transparency from big data models in order to not only ensure a certain level of privacy, but also make sure that these models treat us with justice. Welcome back. It's been a while. I hope everyone's staying safe and well. This episode is going to be about the book Weapons of Math Destruction by Kathy O'Neill. If you turn on the news, or even take a drive around town, the economic inequality of America is evident. This has been highlighted during the COVID-19 pandemic as many people have been left unemployed exposing the flaws in our system. With the likes of Bernie Sanders rising in the ranks of the Democratic Party and the idea of a universal basic income being introduced, the issue of economic inequality is being discussed on a national stage. As technology changes our day-to-day lives, it brings with it new inequalities. Weapons of math destruction, which O'Neill refers to throughout the book as WMDs and which we'll refer to as WMDs throughout this podcast, are mathematical models or algorithms that claim to quantify important traits. For example, teacher quality, recidivism risk, creditworthiness. But they often have harmful outcomes and reinforce inequality, keeping the poor poor and the rich rich. All these WMDs have three things in common, opacity, scale, and damage. They're often proprietary or otherwise shielded from prying eyes so that they have the effect of being a black box. They affect large numbers of people, increasing the chances that they get it wrong for some of them. they have a negative effect on a lot of people, perhaps by encoding racism or other biases into an algorithm or by enabling predatory companies to advertise selectively to vulnerable people or even by causing a global financial crisis. so you're probably wondering what exactly is an algorithm. So Anil starts the book off by dumbing down what an algorithm is for the non-data scientists out there, which is probably most of us. She says, quote, each night when I begin to cook a family meal, I internally and intuitively model everyone's appetite, end quote. She goes on to explain that mathematical models are simply decisions made by a computer that take inputs and outputs in a similar way to a human. The preferences of one of her children, or the day of the week that it is, and the mood in the house all contribute in determining what Kathy will make for dinner that day. O'Neill is able to shift from talking about the role of big data on a corporate level in the book through her past experience as a data scientist to a more personal example in order to connect with the reader and to build intrigue on a relatively unfamiliar topic. In many ways, algorithms are what make up most of what our brains do. Whether we are deciding to comment on a friend's post on social media or determining which neighbor we trust to dog sit while we're away, our brains are churning data and producing an outcome in a similar way to these big data algorithms. The major difference, though, is the scale and impact that algorithms can have in the real world. Quote, These models, powered by algorithms, slam doors in the face of millions of people for the flimsiest of reasons. They're unfair. End quote. From the very start of the book, It's clear that the issue of inequality through algorithms is a large-scale issue that requires oversight. Throughout the book, O'Neill outlines some of the ways in which models limit opportunity and fuel injustice. One such example is the PredPol policing software she talks about. This software stations police officers in areas that are likely to be high in crime. While such a program seems beneficial at first glance, the fact that it targets small crimes based on geography ends up becoming detrimental to impoverished neighborhoods this policing model highlights another dangerous quality of algorithms through its feedback loop. O'Neill says that quote, the policing itself as a result of the data spawns even more crime data in these neighborhoods and our prisons fill up with thousands of people found guilty of victimless crimes. So basically a lot of these programs are enabling themselves for success by creating a loop in which the usage of data creates more data, further intensifying their effect. If you look one step further, this specific feedback loop for prison, uh, for policing policy is not only detrimental to individuals in these neighborhoods, but to the development of the entire community as a whole, because more people are forced to live within broken families now, and because they live in constant fear of higher authority in government. Just like the PredPol program, stop and frisk policies in New York City had similarly damaging effects. O'Neill says that, quote, aspects of stop and frisk were similar to WMDs, for example, At a nasty feedback loop, and ensnared thousands of black and Latino men, many of them for committing the petty misdemeanors that go on in college frats, unpunished, every Saturday night. So there's a couple things to look at here. The injustice in stop-and-frisk policy is laid out clearly as it puts different people under different expectations, just like the WMD. But the stop-and-frisk policy in New York City did find considerable opposition later on. But imagine if it was encoded into a discrete model like PredPol, It probably would have received a lot less criticism. This disparity in awareness is the issue that O'Neill attempts to tackle by shedding light on a topic which largely goes unnoticed. This podcast is brought to you by Pre-Cracked Egg. Pre-Cracked Egg, are you tired of wasting your time and creating a mess when you have to crack your eggs for breakfast? Well, worry no more because Pre-Cracked Egg is here to save the day. Purchase a pre-cracked egg at your closest grocery store. Pre-cracked egg. The easier way to make breakfast. So we're getting kind of desperate here with the sponsorship situation, so I hope you understand. No shade to the product. Please go uh, purchase. But we are kind of low on uh, funds here. That's why we have to resort to such dire sponsorships. Okay, so... Let's get back into the world of weapons of math destruction. So another way that algorithms work to harm people, other than the injustice that we've just outlined in the PredPol program, is through financial exploitation. O'Neill explores this facet of algorithms by looking at the predatory advertising of the for-profit universities across the country. Speaking about advertising WMDs, O'Neill says that, quote, they zero in on the most desperate among us at an enormous scale. The education they promise what's usually a false route to prosperity, while also calculating how to maximize the dollars they draw from each prospect. These universities offer a false sense of hope in order to capitalize on the vulnerability of many individuals that are seeking advancement. Instead of advancement, they're bogged down with further debt. And they receive a degree which many workplaces are not even going to consider. These advertisers are able to use middlemen data collectors to find out the trends in online activity. a potential client they then target these individuals with enticing headlines that are almost always too good to be true so for this portion i did a little experiment on my own computer to see the extent to which these advertisers work i enrolled in some free online courses and showed interest in some of the automated college board emails that i receive as a student both of these actions were flagged by some data collecting agency and soon enough i received advertisements from maryville university which is an online for-profit college an ad which I had never seen in the past. So, because of how prevalent these things are, the issues that are brought up in this book are strikingly relevant to each and every one of us that, that has an online presence, and that's basically every single person in America. The specific issue with for-profit colleges is that there are several other alternatives that get overlooked due to predatory advertising. Alternatives like community college are far less damaging and leave the graduate with better qualifications going on in their life. A certain pattern appears when you see how the cases that O'Neill lays out all indicate that WMDs are preventing change from happening by reinforcing the trends of the past. This is especially true when you look at how they limit a change in political thought through the process of micro-targeting. Quote, As television and the rest of the media moves toward profiling their viewers, the potential for political micro-targeting grows. As this happens, it will become harder to access the political messages our neighbors are seeing, and as a result, to understand why they believe what they do, end quote. O'Neill points out that algorithms are not only destructive in the position they put individuals, as we've seen in the past couple of examples, but also in the division that they cause throughout society. As technology begins to understand each individual better, politicians are able to use the data to show their supporters things that are going to strengthen their ideology while hiding the views of the other side, thereby causing division. By talking about a specific example in this quote, about exactly how harmful these campaigns are with the mention of the neighbor, O'Neill makes it clear that WMDs result in the antithesis of democracy. If we want to be the country symbolic for freedom, we have to allow for freedom of thought in order to reduce political extremism and bring together groups of people, which is exactly the point of a democracy. From policing software to political microtargeting, it's obviously clear that these WMDs are certainly a very big problem and they almost seem too big to be able to be tackled because they're encoded into unfamiliar programs that seem out of reach from any attempts at refinement. So, how do we do something about this? So, in order to understand how we have to tackle weapons of mass destruction, O'Neill looks at the root of the problem by understanding why they exist in the first place. The people that take jobs in big data are programmed to view wealth as the key to success. After all, quote, these new hires are ravenous for success and have been focused on external metrics like SAT scores their entire lives. The message they've received is that they will be rich. This leads to the fallacious conclusion that whatever they're going to bring in, whatever they're doing to bring in more money is good, end quote. The damaging characteristics of WMDs can be tied to a culture of greed that values material wealth over evaluating the impact on the real world. While a recent Stanford grad cranks out the code for an algorithm determining employment, the community college dropout is rejected from a last-ditch attempt at a job because he's flagged as emotionally unstable. This disconnect between the programmer and the consumer caught O'Neill's attention as she began investigating the intimidation and manipulation of people through mathematics on route to finally writing this book. Algorithms can be used to help people. Instead of focusing on money as a metric for success, the way they help people should be considered as the primary objective. For example, quote, the goal, if data were used constructively, would be to optimize prisons much the way companies like Amazon optimize websites or supply chains for the benefit of both prisoner and society at large. The capacity is there for data to be used positively, as O'Neill points out, but the dialogue has to change to make data science a tool for betterment rather than profit. In the case of prisons, data on prisoners should be used to determine what counseling is needed, not to extend prison sentences that could beat down a prisoner and make them more likely to commit crime outside of prison. From providing people with much-needed loans or giving underprivileged kids an opportunity at higher education, big data could transform the inequalities and injustices in the world. Instead, it's being used to enforce them. Another facet of WMDs that make them dangerous is their opacity, as they're hidden from the eye of the average consumer and become more complex with the development of AI. O'Neill says that, quote, if we don't wrest back a measure of control, these future WMDs will feel mysterious and powerful they'll have their way with us and we'll barely know what's happening. One issue that is brought up early on in this book is a teacher who is laid off as a result of an algorithm, but there's no reasoning or explanation given when she asks why she was fired. As these algorithms get more complicated, it's gonna become even harder to determine exactly how they work. To an average individual, these structures already have a sense of power over society and their opaque characteristic is scary because we don't know how our actions will determine how we get treated by these models. The reason why inputs are often hidden is because the processes of an algorithm are often unjust to the consumer. If these models were forced to report how they come to their conclusion, there would also be a push for justice, resulting in more fairness and less destruction. O'Neill issues a call to action when she says that, quote, We must come together to police these WMDs, to tame and disarm them. They'll be remembered like the deadly coal mines of a century ago, a relic of the early days of this new revolution. Throughout the book, these algorithms are characterized as a ruthless, destructive force. For example, the chapters and even the title are given war terms to compare how how algorithms are basically war tools. In the same way, O'Neill ends the book by stating that the WMDs have to be, quote, disarmed she offers several solutions to the different aspects of the problem. The problem begins with the culture of data science education. So like several engineering fields, data science majors should be required to take several ethics classes and have to take an oath before being able to create powerful algorithms in the similar way that doctors have to take an oath because in reality, both of these jobs have have vastly important impacts on people. So, The people that are in power in these jobs should be held responsible. Both measures, both these measures, taking an oath and taking ethics classes, would be a step in changing the culture around data science and ensuring the barometer for success is not profit or efficiency, but rather the positive impact it has on people. In this way, algorithms can be used to benefit people and society rather than harming them. Another proposal is that of algorithmic audits in order to enforce a higher standard on companies and government agencies these audits are already underway at many researchers institutions they work by creating a fake profile and studying what qualities are flagged by an algorithm and then determining the fairness of the algorithm by looking at several such fake profiles and how they're treated under the model these auditors though have already faced restrictions from web giants like google But as awareness about this issue increases through vehicles like this book and hopefully this podcast, data giants will be opened up and algorithms will be held accountable. That's all for today. Uh, I hope you've been informed and entertained. Make sure to read Weapons of Math Destruction if you haven't already. And next time you encounter a suspiciously personal advertisement, you'll know that this ad is part of a network of doom that can only be brought about by awareness from people like you. I'm going to leave you with a very, very, very important question. Is it data or data?